Good morning, and welcome to episode 494 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the BaseballReference.com Play Index. I am Ben Lindbergh, soon to be a staff writer for Grantland.com. I am joined today by Zachary Levine of Baseball Prospectus, who joined us recently, and Russell Carlton ran the numbers, and where, where did you rank among frequent Effectively Wild guests or guest co-hosts? I think I was tied for first if you don't count uh, the uh, the 30 preview segments that uh, that were done each of the last couple of years. Okay, so if, so if I don't have a 30 and a 30 ahead of me, I think uh, Paul Spore and I were, were tied for first. So we're making history here. So Sam and I, as mentioned, I am traveling. Sam and I could not coordinate times, mostly my fault uh, and mostly the fault of Canadian internet. I am... I'm in the British Columbian wilderness right now, and Zachary is in Las Vegas, and we are talking today to Evan Drellick, who is in Minnesota, who's uh, covering the All-Star Game and is still hanging around. Hey, Evan. Hey, guys. You know, There's a lot of pressure for me with, with Zachary there. I, I, you know, be on the same podcast with my pre- uh, predecessor, you're, you're you're putting a lot of pressure on me here, but I think I can handle it. I know. It's like Star Trek Generations, except with Houston Chronicle Astros beat writers. We've got the, the former one and the current one. <laughs> yeah. Evan, why don't, you, why don't you tell the world where you are right now? Uh, I am standing outside of a place called Whirly Ball, W-H-I-R-L-Y. Uh, it's apparently, I've never participated, uh, I, I'm about to. It's apparently a bumper car-esque um, some sort of lacrosse kind of uh, involvement, like a cross between bumper cars and, and lacrosse. So you're in a bumper car and you've got a, uh, a pole and you try to scoop up, I assume it's, it's a ball or a round object, and you, you try to get it in a goal. Um, but I, I haven't done it yet. So I, it, 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 there's great excitement to follow uh, for me after after we're done here. Yeah, that sounds much more entertaining. And if we, if we like it, if we like it, we're adding it to All-Star Week next year. <laughs> yeah, that could be the perfect oh, yeah. skills competition. Be part of the skills competition. <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, called Evan here today because the the Astros are in the news. The Astros are doing something controversial. I know this never happens. This is That's unprecedented. Um, but the the Astros are are embroiled in this mess currently with the the number one overall pick in the draft, Brady Aiken. The deadline to sign Aiken is 4 p.m. on Friday, and as of now, he is unsigned, uh, and there is a dispute <laughs> broiling here. The the Astros had come to an agreement with him for a, a $6.5 million bonus, and then there were medical issues, and now there are disputes over whether there is a problem with Aiken's elbow, and if so, how much he should be paid, how much... That bonus should be reduced. There is haggling going on back and forth. There's posturing. There's uh, war in the media. So we have invited Evan on here to to tell us about this situation because he's been covering it very thoroughly for the Chronicle. So, Evan, uh, first, I, I guess, tell us what did the Astros know or what did teams know generally about the players that they are going to draft? How much medical information do they have? And why did whatever they saw after the draft come as a surprise? 
I, I should note real quick, the deadline is 4 p.m. Central for those who will be walking, uh, watching the clock on Friday, um, right. five, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the, the, the answer is not very much in terms of knowledge uh, teams go into the draft with. Now, the top 200 guys, the scouting bureau sends out a form. I was talking to an agent about this today. It, there's no teeth to it. There's, there's nothing, you know, you, you don't have to go get a physical. You don't have to go get an MRI. Um, in the NFL with the scouting combine, you do. They put you through all this ahead of time. Now, I don't think the agents um, and the union would ever go for a combine-like system. Part of the problem is logistics. Uh, you know, when you have the draft, you still have people playing. How are you going to do this? Uh, maybe, maybe just just off the top of my head, you would have to think there could be a way to do it for the top 200 guys, the guys that the scouting bureau follows. Um, but you know, the Astros took a guy that they had never seen an MRI of his arm. Um, and it's the reason, you know, why don't a question I had in my head for a long time was why, why don't uh, major league players go for an MRI every year? And the answer is because a, you're always going to find something, particularly on, on older players. Uh, and B you're just giving teams am, ammunition or, or leverage against you. Um, if, if they did have the MRIs ahead of time, how many times do you think it would actually help a guy? It wouldn't all the, the only guy that would help is the kind of guy who, had a known injury, had a major surgery, is trying to come back and prove he's healthy. Otherwise, you're just giving some, a team a way to find something wrong with you and drop your draft stock. Yes, we, we get that question a lot. A lot of our listeners wonder why pitchers don't go for MRIs after every single start, it seems like. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about what you found out about what the issue is here? Uh, because it, it sounds unusual. It's not the, the typical torn UCL situation. It seems to be a case where there is an undersized UCL or a missing UCL or, or a malformed UCL in, in some sense. So what have you discovered here and what implications does that have for Aiken's health? Yeah, I, I spoke to someone yesterday who, who has, has knowledge of what's going on. Um, and I asked the question, well, if this is an elbow ligament issue, why not just have him go for Tommy John surgery? We, we see how successful Tommy John is and how, how unfortunately frequent it's become. Uh, and the answer was because, according to this person, it would not be as straightforward, um, you know, quote-unquote, slam-dunk Tommy John surgery because he has – the name R.A. Dickey was mentioned. I, it, it's, it doesn't seem to me – my understanding is that the ligament is not entirely missing, uh, but it's slight. It's, it's an abnormal UCL. Um, yeah, I spoke to a doctor after that and explained what I knew. And, and with that information, he, it, it wasn't enough for him to be fully convinced that Tommy John surgery would indeed uh, be problematic. And probably unless we had an MRI in front of us, we wouldn't be able to, um, you know, make that decision. It's just from afar, there's just not enough information yet, but, uh, you know, that, that is, that is the most I've gotten. I haven't seen anybody else get any more detail than that, um, mm -hmm. that it's related to an abnormal UCL. And so there's some disagreement about whether this is a problem or, or how big a problem it is. Cause obviously he's, he's been able to pitch with this issue and pitch well enough to get drafted first overall. And his agent Casey close and his trainer have said that he's asymptomatic, that he's able to pitch, which isn't quite the same as saying that there's no irregularity here. So that's not necessarily contradicting the, the idea that the Astros have, have found something or picked up on something unusual. And so the, the question is, I guess, whether, whether this abnormality is actually a risk factor or whether it's just something that works for Aiken for whatever reason. 
Right. You're right. It's a question of how much latent danger really is there. How much uh, are the Astros using this to their uh, to their advantage and, and trying to sign Mac Marshall and saying, well, you know, maybe I don't think a team would ever instruct the doctor. Uh, or at least I hope a team would never instruct the doctor to exaggerate a situation. Right. And, and the medical profession is one we need to have faith in. Um, but the, the door is there. And, and, you know, there's there's real collective bargaining issues here. Uh, a with the slotting because Jacob Nix, who's the fifth round pick, uh, is contingent on Brady. Um, B with the way the, the medical draft process is run, as we were talking about earlier. You know, if a major league player uh, is is hurt, right? One of your 25 man guys gets hurt. He has a right to a second opinion, and the team has to consider that second opinion. Now, in this situation, there were second and third and fourth and fifth opinions, but the team doctor is the final say, leaving the only real recourse here a grievance, which could happen. Um, or Brady going back out and, and trying to go uh, pitch a junior college for a year or, or try to go to UCLA or, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so Close represents both Aiken and Nick's, the, the fifth rounder that the Astros drafted and came to an agreement also for an above slot bonus with him. And so he understandably is is upset about what's happened here, that the Astros had this verbal agreement and have rescinded it because it was, I guess, kind of contingent on on the bonus that they had agreed to with Aiken. And so Close has said that the Astros have acted with a complete disregard for the rules, while an MLB spokesman said that he is confident that the Astros have acted in complete accord with the rules. So it's either complete disregard or complete accord. It can't it can't be both of those things. So which which rule is is close saying or implying that the Astros have have disregarded, I guess, and, and who's right? Have the Astros actually violated any rules here? Uh, well, you know, Zach had the tweet last sometime yesterday that you know, I've read this however many times and I, I still can't figure out what the rule is. I, I've had the same reaction. I'm not sure exactly what it could be. Nick's would seem to be the, the area where something could have been violated. But there are times when the players union and agents uh, will themselves back out of a verbally agreed upon deal. Right. That's kind of a, uh, you know, uh, have your cake and eat it too type of thing. Um, that's to me is, is the most you might be talking about. Um, but he could also be speaking to those other issues. You know, uh, are they following the spirit of um of the CBA, both in terms of the medical and, and the way the slotting has come up. But I I, I have a, tr- a hard time seeing where a specific rule has definitely been violated at this point. They just haven't said it. Now, Evan, do you get the sense that uh, the numbers that I, I've seen reported are, are 6-5 for Aiken was before the the, the, uh, the medical exam and 1-5 and for Nix? And, and do you think those were... Do you get the sense that either or both of those was a pre-draft number, that, that either or both of those was a number where we'll pick you because we know your number? I know you, officially you can't have that, but you can know a player's number. I mean, that's what they did with, with Carlos Correa when, when the Astros got a discount on, on him. Do you think that, that yeah, this think was you know, all you know, part of one, one puzzle here? I think when, you, when you're drafting in your top 10 rounds, I think that's the way all teams approach it as much as you can. Um, I, you know, I don't... I think it's case to case how much you can know very far ahead of draft day. But once you're on draft day, as I understand it, you know, you're calling guys constantly right before your pick and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, Mac Marshall is the interesting part of all this, right? Because, because it seems those, those three guys played in the same 18 and under team USA 
uh, championship winning team last year. Are they, you know, what, what was their sense of what it would take to get Marshall and how convinced were they going into the draft that they would be able to do it? Uh, and I, I don't have the answer to that at this point. Um, you know, I, th- I think the interesting thing with all this is clearly it, it, I, I, more than I was 48 hours ago, I, I, uh, after having written that story yesterday, did the reporting involved with it, it does seem that there is a legitimate issue. And, and you know what? It would be quite incredible if there weren't uh, for the Astros to be so bold as to uh, try to manipulate the situation um, just because of that. Uh, but, and, and Ben, you touched on this at the start, this isn't an organization that's bought itself goodwill, that kind of bought itself the benefit of the doubt at this point. And Casey Close is... You know, you, you could somebody may have already written it, but there's an argument to be made that he is the top agent in the game, and uh, I'm sure Scott Boris would would not appreciate that, and uh, it, that's up for debate. Um, but in terms of who do you believe in the situation from afar, it I think Casey Close has that going for him right now, and probably he realizes that he realizes the Astros are a team that um, if you go public and say they're doing things the wrong way, people are going to believe it. Now, who is uh, we know we know Aiken's story. I mean, the number the number one pick in the draft. Who is Jacob Nix, and is he a guy who? I mean, often you see a guy, you know, have a verbal agreement for one point five in the fifth round, and it's either he's an injury guy where he's a, a one of these really high ceiling, but fell because of an injury and, and still demands the money. Or I guess probably more often he fell past a certain point and then no one wanted to take him because they didn't think they could sign him. Is he, uh, as you've talked to, to people inside or outside, probably more outside the organization, is he considered a, a first-round talent? Is it, a big, is it a big deal if they can't get a deal done with him? I think it's a big deal if you can't get a deal done with anybody within the top 10, right? I, 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 I don't think you take a guy in the top 10, and, and certainly he's, a, he's, you know, he's another UCLA commit. Uh, he's another close guy. Um, he's not Aiken, but no, nobody else is in that draft. Um, I, I, I think you take, you take him knowing you can get him. Uh, and, and they did. I mean, they, they, you know, if, if Aiken doesn't have this elbow issue as we understand it, um, there's no problem. The money lines up perfectly. I, I don't know about Marshall, but for, for Aiken and for, for, uh, Brady, uh, for Brady and Knicks, it's, it, there's, there's no issue. Um, you know, this, those deals were reported done, I think June 7th. You know, uh, or that might have been Aiken's d- uh, day and, and Nix was either a couple days before it or after it. Um, so it seems the thought process going in was correct. It's just there's been this stumbling block. So if you were inclined to go full conspiracy theory here, or maybe you, you have some grudge against the Astros and you're inclined to perceive whatever they do in, in the most negative light possible, then... Then the the rationale here for them from that perspective would be say that they they took Marshall not expecting to have a shot at him and maybe found that he was more willing to negotiate than they expected and so they've they've adjusted by looking for this way to to save on Aiken in order to afford Marshall is that the the basic scenario that you know if if you wanted to look at what the Astros are doing in the worst possible light. That would that would be the thought process there. I think so, but I, I also think at this point it would be very hard to believe that. Right. Um, I think I think there's a question of an element of that. Are they pushing Aiken 
you know, let's say the issue is real, and, and there's very much a reason to believe that the, the issue is real. Uh, again, we just don't know how how uh, serious this latent danger is. Um, you know, so maybe maybe the reality is he, instead of six point five, he deserves five. Okay, uh, you know, I don't know how you value these things if the very smart people doing that. Um, instead, of, but maybe if they feel like, well, if we can just get another mill down here, maybe we get marsh. Maybe that's where it comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's you know that's 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 just kind of speculation at this point. And it seems like a lot to risk for them, right? Because you know if they were doing this with the idea of saving a, a million or two, they have to worry that they are they're poisoning the well here with Aiken, who presumably they they like a lot as a player. Uh, if he walks away, it kind of screws up their their whole draft because he takes that that portion of the the draft pool with him. Uh, maybe it makes it harder for them to sign players in the future. It contributes to their reputation as this cold calculating team. So it, it does seem like, you know, if, if, if that were true, then it would validate everything negative that anyone has ever said about the Astros, because it, it seems sort of like a, a stretch for, for all of that actually to be the case for them really to be making this up or, or making a much bigger deal out of whatever the issue is than it deserves. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I think probably that's a fundamental disagreement between Aiken's camp and the Astros about just what this injury means. The Astros might feel one way and uh, uh, Aiken's camp another. That, that seems to be what it comes down to. Um, but they do need each other here. I, I really, I still think it would be surprising if Friday passes and they haven't gotten it done. Um, the chances of Aiken becoming a first overall pick again are, are, are you know, essentially nil. Um, and the Astros, who but Mark Appel gave up seven runs again tonight, second straight out. <laughs> um, they have so far been, look, it's very early. We'll see what happens in three years. But right now, you, if you say right now in the moment, they missed. They missed on that pick. They should have taken Bryant. Uh, we'll see what the future holds. And, and it, you know, it, that's not a final judgment. It's just right now they missed. Um, the other first overall pick is out for the year with a broken leg. That's bad luck. You can't, nothing you can do about that, but it happens. You really can't let this, you, you can't let it go. But at the same time, if there really is a problem with him, you probably are better off taking the pick next year. Um, so, and, and that's just what we don't know. How, how bad is it? Is it really bad enough that, that the Astros would be wise not to sign him at all? I think if you're still willing to give him 3.1, probably tells you, you uh, that he's 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 not worth passing on you know Mm -hmm. um if you're still willing to give him 3.1 right and that's the minimum amount that they need to offer in order to to get that compensation pick next year which would be the the second overall pick right and if they look if they don't sign him okay then let's say there's a grievance filed on behalf of nicks for the deal that got done you know your your potential there's a scenario there where um you're losing draft picks next year because they make you sign uh, next or something like that. You know, it, it, the, the potential for a grievance isn't a good thing in this. Uh, and it, it's definitely leverage towards um, toward Brady. But I, I, you know, I wrote this tonight and I, I think it's, in the end, it's not going to matter. But by coming out and, and being so vocal as, as Casey Close was with Fox Sports, it's pretty clear that Brady Aiken has an agent right now. Um, you know, it's not definitive, um, but Jim Crane, the Astros owner, Reference the fact that the team and Jeff Luna were talking to the agent. Now, this happens everywhere. This is one of these silly baseball rules that nobody actually follows, just like the July 2nd international signing. Um, you know, nobody gets the deal done ahead of time. But 
if this doesn't get done and Brady wanted to go to UCLA, I, it would seem possible to me that uh, there'd be an NCAA eligibility issue here because uh, you're not allowed to have an agent, um, which just you know kind of complicates the, the other scenarios more. Yeah, it's interesting. What sort of you've been? I mean, you're in Houston. You're hearing from readers, you're hearing from fans, things like that. What is the opinion in Houston of, <clears throat> I guess, you know, beyond just this, the way that the Astros conduct business? Yeah, I know fans are going to be upset that the the team is is losing and everything. But do are fans finding this smart and interesting and and some of the things that that you know that we talk about or is do you do you think people find them cheap and uh cold and calculating as was mentioned here what do you think the like the, the I general mean, perception I is think, I think outside the games i think it's a mix i mean there's certainly we see that the the diehard fans that, that uh fully uh believe in everything um I don't think I don't know if anything of what you just said are is mutually exclusive. They can kind of be all those things. There's no question that this what they've done is is a cost saving measure. Um, it's it. Jim Crane has saved a considerable amount of money by going this way. Um, I, you know, I, I think there's been a project a, a sentiment expressed that this is the only thing they could have done has been basically this exact roadmap. Um, I think for the most part that's true. But it's not exactly true. There, there are other decisions they could have made. They could have spent more on Jose Abreu, for example. Um, you know, it, I don't know if there's one overriding sentiment. I think fans are getting impatient. Uh, I think Jim Crane himself, you could hear it in spring training when he's talking about hoping the team would get to 81 wins this year. Um, you know, and he didn't say that was a goal, uh, uh, an expectation, but, he, you know, it was clearly something that was never going to happen, you know, barring a... Uh, you know, what is it? You guys did your, your, um, that, that fun, uh, Sam, I think you did. He did a, uh, he did a great story, uh, about, you know, the one season where the Astros and, and the simulation of however many times you guys did it, right. uh, won 91 games or whatever it might have been. Um, I, I yeah, I, I think it's fan to fan. I think some fans are patient. I think some are just, you know, tired of hearing about how smart an organization is without seeing some results. I spoke to someone today who said that just looking at this situation, he thought that whether the Astros have handled it well or not, and, and maybe they've they've handled it perfectly, but his sense was that not many teams would have handled it this way, rightly or wrongly, that you know, you could count on one hand the number of teams that would that would take it this far, I guess, on a on a potentially you know, potentially minor issue, or maybe it's not, it's maybe it's not fair to say that, but, but that the Astros certainly, you know, are, are kind of calculating and they want to get every edge that they possibly can. And that maybe they're correct in doing that, but that, that would not be the typical way that most teams would, would handle this. Do you get the sense that that's true? Cause you know, you, you wrote that article about how the Astros are perceived in the industry a couple months ago, and Sam and I discussed it. And one of the complaints that you heard from people was that the Astros treat players as assets or as as you know statistics and not people. And this is maybe uh, more more fodder for that perception. I don't know whether that's fair or whether it's just that there is that pre-existing reputation, and so this kind of falls into that bucket. But do you get the sense that this is a, a uniquely Astros way of handling this situation for, for better or worse? I think if any team 
giving the answer is benefit of the doubt. If, if any team believed this was this, uh, a serious problem, they would probably have to go this far. But again, if you're willing to pay the guy 3-1, um, that's, that's where it gets, you know, how bad could it be? It's kind of, it's kind of a, a thought I keep coming back to. If it's so bad, you would probably just break it off. You know, I was talking to somebody who's been through this before, and, and you know, he said that, A, it was a cut-and-dry situation. Um, but B, you know, he, he said the team was very upfront about it. Um, we don't know. I don't know what's been going on in those conversations uh, between Casey and, well, between the family and the Astro, whoever, whoever's talking to whoever at this point without touching NCAA eligibility rules. Um, you know, I asked Scott Boris, it's something I'm going to write coming up, uh, what's the difference between the Astros and the Cubs, uh, if there is one? Because I think those are the two teams that we can say are following something of a similar um, rebuilding process, and at least at the same time, you know? Um, and, and he said they were completely different ideologically. And, and I didn't expect that answer. Um, and he went in, he went on to, uh, uh, say that, uh, that Jeff kind of has a, a, to his experience as a, uh, kind of narrow, um, track, uh, of, of thinking, I guess. And I, I, he didn't mean narrow in a, in a derisive way. Um, but he made the point that, you know, he, he, he knows Theo's, uh, front office and decision makers better, um, and that basically he doesn't with the with the Astros. He kind of knows Jeff, and that's kind of what he knows about the operation. Um, he, he did mention the word baseball people, which is, of course, when you start getting into a uh, question of old school and new school and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think it's really interesting to compare those two to those two franchises. Is there another team out there that would take it this far? Yeah, I do. I do think there is. I think the Astros have been have gotten in their own way. I think their PR attempts almost shoot themselves in the foot. When you ask about that, the, the story I wrote uh, in May, perception can be misperception. If a player is pissed because of shifts, which he shouldn't be, and we know this, right? We know the numbers are there, okay? But if a player is pissed because of shifts, he's still pissed. And, and the Astros have put themselves in a position where they've given people a lot of things to be ticked off about. Um, and, and they've rightfully believe winning will cure it and you know what i i think they're right winning will cure it um it's just it's been a kind of a rocky path to get to a point where, where they can get there and lastly can you imagine anything changing anything systematic structural changing as a result of this controversy because of course it's it's possible to find some wear and tear in any pitcher's arm when you look at an mri and the interpretation of the MRI results is somewhat subjective and and players are kind of at the the mercy of the team's interpretation of those results there's no real recourse there uh can you imagine you know there being a, a fix for this kind of thing to kind of put the player and, and the team on an equal playing field in the future obviously the the players union is upset about this is there some change that could be instituted that would help future teams and players avoid this sort of situation? Yeah, you know, it was funny. So Tony Clark, um, the head of the players, you discussed this. Uh, it was it was the annual All-Star Game uh, BBWA meeting um, with both the commissioner went first, then Tony went. And the question to Tony was not specifically about the Astros. It was about how, after going through this draft cycle, has the slotting system worked? He gave his answer and, um, from the start, 
It was an interesting question, loaded question. He went right into the Astros without anybody asking questions about the Astros, which tells you, you hear it and see it, there's a lot of concern about this, and they're very unhappy. And the union was unhappy with the Astros beforehand, as, as they would be unhappy with any team uh, that has, uh, hasn't has spent money in free agency. Right? The Astros are, again, one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, at least the higher than last year. Uh, but the union was unhappy with them to begin with in that regard, and they weren't happy with them to, because of the service time issues with uh, Springer and, and so on and so forth. Um, I do think... I, I think we'll see the draft system revised somehow. I, I, how far they're going to go in the medicals, I don't know. How much ground would the players give to let teams have medical information ahead of time? This is certainly a good example of why uh, one would argue they, they should be able to. Um, but the slotting system where you have the picks tied together, uh, that, that's at the real heart of the issue. And, you know, this is the first CBA we've had this. I don't know what you would do in place of it or if you would modify it somehow, but I, I, I got believe that that's changed um, in light of this, because if you leave the structure the same, you conceivably, even if the answers are not being manipulated in any capacity, you, you open the door for teams to be manipulative, um, if you leave the structure as it is now. Mm-hmm. Just one more question. Um, what has it been like covering this team? I mean, I, I covered it for, I covered the first year of this administration in Houston, and I know you covered the Red Sox last year, a team that was playing important games for seven months and, and every game there was something on the field that was that mattered that you could write about. I mean, how much less are you writing about baseball and, and how interesting or tedious or you know awful or any adjective you want to use has it been uh, covering a team with this much off the field? Oh, it's totally fascinating. I mean, you know, even even the last couple of days with, with all the writers around the all three and people would say, uh, hey, never stuff with that team, right? And, and, and I say, yeah, but you know what? It's, it's, from a reporting standpoint, it, it's interesting. It's, you know, we live for stories. We live for, for interesting things and interesting people, and, and um, the Astros are full of that. I mean, I think you could even make the argument that, they're, that they're, they've got more of that than anybody, um, just by the amount they've been in the news and you know, the data leaks. Um, and all that is it at times you know head scratching covering them a little bit it can be um but it, it it's it's been a totally interesting it, they're not boring there's nothing boring about this team well thanks uh for filling in zachary and thanks for joining us evan everyone should should go read evan's stuff at the chronicle you can find it at blog.cron.com slash ultimate astros you can also follow him on twitter at evan Drellett. D-R-E-L-L-I-C-H, and he's one of the best beat writers in baseball and on one of the most interesting beats, so it's a it's a good combination. Uh, so thank you, Evan. Oh, that's kind of you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. This was fun. All right. Uh, so please support our sponsor, Baseball <laughs> Reference. Go to BaseballReference.com, subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. And we are done for today. Canadian internet allowing I or someone will be back with another show tomorrow. And Evan, I guess that means that it's time for you to go play bumper cars. Yeah, I'll I'll let you guys know how many uh, goals I score with the bumper cars. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later. Bye.